It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. I remember thinking she just ran away. You know, we just are so terrible at like sitting with uneasiness or sitting with pain or sitting with things that just make us uncomfortable. We're terrible at it. Stranger Connections is the embodiment of Lisa David Olson's perspective of we're all just friends who just simply haven't met yet. It's an exploration of the weirdly wonderful side of life and a look at the single commonality we have with each other, our differences. Slip off your shoes, pour a cup of your favorite, and let's meet this week's Barrel of Quirks. Welcome to Stranger Connections, where I celebrate wonderfully weird people and their quirky stories. I'm your curious beast and host, Elisa David Olson. Please share a review, subscribe if you would, and make sure you don't miss any episodes like this one, where I get to chat with writer, author, teacher, and miscellaneous performer, Miss Christy Wopat from Wisconsin. Hello, Christy. Hello, Lisa David Olson. Thank you so much for being on Stranger Connections. Of course. It's very lovely to be here, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I'll insert all the compliments here. Correct. Oh, and we're also supposed to say how excited we are. I'm it, so excited. I'm so excited too. I'm well, good. so excited. And we're authentic. Totally real. <laughs> well, I wanted to chat with you because I saw that you have another book coming out. So I thought, what a great time to discuss your story and chat about your first two books. And then we'll talk about what makes someone write a third book because, you know, you're way ahead of me. So let's talk about that. What's your, your story of why you wrote your first book, which is an award-winning memoir called Almost a Mother. Okay, so I would love to say that um, I just have always loved to write and I wrote this great fiction novel and everybody loved it. But the truth is, I just had something really tragic happen in my life. Although I just recently learned a new word called tragicomic, which I have decided describes me to a T and probably you too, tragicomic. Anyway, um, in 2009, I was 
um, struggling to get pregnant. And um, luckily I did. And I got pregnant with twins and I was so, so excited. Speaking of being excited, I really, really was. My husband and I were over the moon, couldn't wait. And then when I was 21 weeks pregnant, um, the water around my one twin, my daughter broke unexpectedly way too early. Um, I stayed pregnant for a couple more weeks and then I got an infection and then went into labor. And eventually my son and daughter both died in the NICU after living for just a few days. Um, and it kind of like, it put me into this place in my life where I thought this is, this is harder than anything I've ever expected I would live through. And my father-in-law had just passed away from cancer. You know, I'm estranged from my dad. I wouldn't say my life was terrible, but it certainly wasn't like easy peasy. Um, and this grief that I felt was so overwhelming and so all encompassing Uh, and then I got really pissed off because I went to try to find a book about it because I'm a reader. I've always been a voracious reader and I could, I couldn't find any books. The books that were out there were written by PhDs talking about the stages of grief. And I was like, okay, what stage is it in where I see a pregnant lady in target and I want to kick her (laughs) because I would like to know what stage that is. You know, I felt crazy And I really wanted to know that I wasn't alone. Um, And then I am also a fourth grade teacher. And one day I was teaching writing and I said to my class, we were brainstorming ideas. And I said, you know, authors write books that they really want to see in the world that isn't out there. And I was, I came home and was like, am I listening to myself? I need, I need to at least try. So that's, that's how I got started. I think that's so important. Am I listening to myself? Because this is why therapy works because we can have the thoughts, the thinking and the ideas, but once we say them aloud to another human for you, it was a classroom. Yeah. It's like you're hearing it for the first time because in our own heads, it's, I don't know, it's dismissive. It's buried. It, it falls into a corner in the brain, but that is a huge thing. Two things, you know, am I listening to myself, but also I can't find the book. So I'm going to write it. And right. I did read almost a mother. And in there, some of the things that really stood out to me were the fact that you did get to hold your babies and name your babies. And the other part that really stood out was how people are, you probably can write a whole other book on how awkward people are because they don't know what to say. Yes. (laughs) That was a big part of of writing almost a mother. I kind of, you know, I had to learn how to write first and I went to a bunch of conferences and, um, then I thought, okay, well, I, you know, I'm learning, but really I just need to get this out of me. And I had been keeping a blog. Remember when there were blogs, (laughs) everybody was like, oh, this is what I had for breakfast today. Um, so I had been keeping a blog. And so I had all these memories of things that had happened to me that were just so outrageous. And I remember constantly people telling me like, you need to be the bigger person. And they're coming from a place of goodness. And I understand that. And I get how people don't, they're not intending to hurt you. Um, but man, there are people going through this life with so much hurting 
And we just really have a tendency to make it worse. <laughs> like we just have a way about us to, to, to make it worse. Like there was this one, our neighbor came over after the babies had died and I was still home on maternity leave. And she said, um, where, where are the babies? You know? And I'm, I said, well, I, I had them too early and they died. And I'll never forget this. Cause she was like 75 years old and she looked at me and then she literally turned around and ran away like fast, like dug her foot into the mud and took off. <sighs> and I remember thinking, man, she literally just, I wish I could run away, but she just, she just ran away. You know, we just are so terrible at like sitting with uneasiness or sitting with pain or sitting with things that just make us uncomfortable. We're terrible at it. So I did write a lot about that in Almost a Mother because, you know, I want, I wanted to help people know what to say and what not to say. And of course there's no steadfast rule about it, but sometimes I was like, you're just making it way worse. Like, don't, don't try to make this better. You can't make it better. There's no making it better. Something that uh, I've watched one of the interviews with you and you were talking to a gal and one thing you said totally changed the way I go forward with speaking to anyone about their grief is that this gal felt comfortable sharing with you. She, she was older and she stated that she lost a two-year-old. And in that moment, I thought, oh my gosh, she really opened up. And you said, what was her name? Cause she stated, I lost a two-year-old daughter. And you said, what was her name? And that was so huge and so important because people do want to hear the name. They, they do. do want to share the story. They do. And that's actually, so my second book was a children's book, an illustrated picture book called Always Ours. And that book I really wrote, it's, it, <clears throat> it surrounds the story of a baby brother dying, but it really could be about any loss in your family. And the whole theme of the book is that you have permission to remember your loved one that's gone. And I, when I do speaking events, I will say things like, it doesn't always have to be that someone died. It could be a divorce. It could be an estrangement. There are so many ways that we lose things in life and it's okay to talk about them. That's like the biggest, if I could get anything across, that's what it would be. And that's why I wrote Always Ours so that younger kids can, can know, like my own kids know Sophie and Aiden's name. They know about them. They know that the stuff up in my house is in memory of them. And I've always tried to just make it normal. That's so different than the way I grew up thinking, oh, you don't talk about that. They lost yeah. their son or they, you know, or, or she's divorced. We don't talk about that. And yeah. so I just want to thank you for that notion in my head and your second book to point it out and that how healthy it is that your kids know. And they know that sometimes moms, mom or dad are just going to lose it. And yeah. it's okay to ask. And it's okay to, it's okay to grieve. You have to get it out and you have to say their names and and yep. honor that memory. Oh, then Complete. sounds like you uh, are starting another third book here that uh, after all pregnancy after loss, 
And you just are writing all the books that really are not out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, lovingly known as the deaf lady around the local community. (laughs) 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 Um, But this book, I was not going to write it um, because I touched on it a little bit in Almost a Mother. But I, it's incredible. My first book came out in 2018 and there is not a week that goes by that I don't get an email from some mom somewhere in the United States saying, thank you for this. This is the only book that made me feel normal. And they would also say like, have you ever written or thought about writing one about your pregnancy after loss? And I don't know, I I wasn't going to do it. And then I wrote one chapter and then I spent like two months just writing the whole thing. Um, Just because it's such an interest, it's not interesting, I guess, well, everything's interesting, but it was a unique situation to be in because of what we were just talking about where I was pregnant again. So everybody wanted me to just be better, right? She's pregnant again. She's going to have a baby. Everything will just be fine. And, and they didn't, people didn't understand how much anxiety I had um, the, tr- I mean, I was definitely suffering from PTSD for sure, not to mention hormone changes and pregnancy in itself. And, um, I, I, even once I had my daughter, Avery, who's, um, almost 12 years old, even once I had her, people were like, oh, well, it's fine now. Right. Like, yeah, Sophie and Aiden died, but now you have Avery as if she just like replaced them. So I really wanted people to know, like, you, like, if you're, if somebody's husband died, would you say to them, like, oh, it's fine. You can just get a new husband. Actually, I think, I think people probably would. (laughs) Nobody, nothing surprises me anymore. Or, Um, or or a little bit smaller. Oh, you lost your dog, but you you know what? They've got puppies. I saw puppies for sale. Just go, go down yonder and get yourself a little puppy. Exactly. Totally. Totally. Like knew it was amazing. And I healed so in so many ways when I finally got to be a parent to a baby that was here, you know, it, I always say that Avery saved my life because she allowed me some of the stuff that I was grieving, the not being able to be a mother part was healed, but it, it, in no way, it, like it didn't take anything away from the experience of Sophie and Aiden dying, mm-hmm. but people really wanted it to, they just wanted me to be okay. And that's the thing. Like, we just can't sit with that discomfort. We want everyone to be fine and yes. happy all the time. And right. we're still not. <laughs> and how, how did your marriage survive it? There are marriages that do not survive it. We lost a nephew years ago and that marriage did not make it through. Yeah, I think um, from from the reading I've done and from all the people I've talked to over the years, I feel like it goes one of two ways and it either gets very, very bad or it gets much better. Um, So I was I was one of the lucky ones, I think. I think because I was writing and I was talking about it so much, um, my husband grieved super differently than I did. And it made me very angry. Um, and I actually, around that time when I had gone to the library, I picked up a book called, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was about how men and women grieve differently. 
And I, I might be divorced if I hadn't read that book, honestly, because I, I, what I didn't understand why he wasn't grieving the exact same way that I was, which now looking back is ridiculous because people don't grieve the same way. Um, And I think a lot of families fight and things get really bad uh, when they're grieving because they can't talk to each other about it. But that's what I did. I would say, hey, it really helps me when you say Sophie and Aiden's name Mm. or I want you to help me plan their first birthday party because it's going to help me. Like if you feel comfortable and he would say to me, sometimes I just don't want to talk about it. Or, uh, the way that I get better is to feel like I'm taking care of you. And that's Mm. how I cope, you know, and we were able to talk about it. Otherwise I definitely don't think our marriage would have survived. So book number four. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I'm not joking because yeah. that is huge that you decided to figure out your, I guess your love language. I've, I've taken that quiz. I think that's yeah. a really cool quiz. It's only like, yeah. it's just a five minute quiz, but it opens up all these conversations like myself acts of service and, and, mm-hmm. you know, my husband just helped me create a new garden. That's huge to me. And to him, he's like, that's all right. You know, let's sit on the couch and watch TV. And that to him is together time. So it's like, that opens that conversation. You were ahead of the curve on that survey by saying, tell me why you're grieving differently. That is yeah. really huge with communication and same for the kids. I'm sure that they've, they've had to grieve in a different way. And absolutely. So and for interesting them to grieve, for them to grieve something that they weren't around for is really hard, but they've like asked me tough questions Uh, Like my son, Evan, who is very talkative um, and very, very inquisitive. This was several years ago. Now he said to me, we were like eating breakfast and out of literally nowhere, he said, if Sophie and Aiden hadn't died, would I still be here? Whoa. Oh (laughs) my gosh. I was like, wow, (laughs) that's not a question I can answer. Oh Oh my gosh. Like they have asked some tough stuff, but it's made, it's helped. I think it's helped them be really empathetic and because they know about it and talk about it, other people have opened up to them. So like other kids will say like, Oh, we had a baby that died too, you know Um, just things like that. And I think it's really good for them to grow up just knowing that if, if somebody dies, it's okay to remember them and, still love them and still say their name. So mm, that's really important. It, it's, it's still keeping the story in the family and it's still part of what makes you who you are today. That is amazing. And, and I really do. Uh, I'll be waiting for that next book about uh, okay. communication with your right, I'll spouse get because you said you read a book that changed it. And that's the kind of books that you're writing for other people. And I know people reach out to you So how do you shake it off when you have so many questions of saying, what can I do? And how did you get through it? How do you not carry that with you all day? Uh, Sometimes I'm not very good at it. Um, I have had a few women confess to me that they were suicidal. Um, And I was, you know, I am not equipped. Like I'm not a psychiatrist. I, I don't know. Like I, I of course went in and found resources for them and said, please, please reach out for help. 
Um, so sometimes that's been really difficult because it's like, I put myself out there, but that wasn't a responsibility that I really anticipated. Um, oftentimes I hear from women in other countries where they handle grief very differently and where they handle like just medicine differently. Um, and they'll say like, I wish it were like, like it is there. And I'm like, okay, I don't really know. So sometimes I really have to set boundaries for myself. Like, um, I don't answer right away. Or if there, it becomes like a string of messages, I'll have to say like, it's been really great. You know, like I have to find a way to like, to stop it. But, um, in general, I have an issue with carrying feelings. Like as a teacher, I worry a lot about my students. So it's just something I, I work on all the time. And one thing I do is write a lot. Like I'll write out, this is what's happening and I can't do anything about it. And actually I learned from a really good friend once that, um, you know, in the end, everybody is responsible for themselves. Like you, you can't, you can't do anything for them. Like they have to be the ones to do it themselves. So I just encourage healing and, uh, therapy and writing. And, you know, sometimes I'll just say like, go take a walk in the sunshine if you can, you know, like little things, because grief can be so wicked and it's a lot more physical than I thought. So yeah, I, I'm not very good at it, but I try, I try. That's good because it, it's not right to take it all on. That's not going to be helpful for your own family or your health or your next day when you're facing a classroom full of kids. So you've got to keep your strength up. Right. This has been fabulous. So how can people um, find after all pregnancy after loss? Because that's your brand new book my brand new book. It'll be out June 9th. Um, you can go to my website, which is uh, Um, Also, my publisher is called 1016 Press, and they are um, selling pre-orders right now. Sweet. That's exciting. Sweet. Oh, and you know what? You're not getting out of this. What? I ask every single guest to share a dare or a prank story, one that they have done or had done to them. Okay. I have to be honest that this was very difficult for me because I really love pranks <laughs> and I have had a lot of really good ones done to me too. So I um, had to ask my colleagues at work what they thought was the best one. And this is the one we came up with. Um, another teacher and I we would, we always love to prank our school psychologist because she is super type A. Okay. <laughs> like her pencils match the color of her pencil cup. Everything in her office is just so. Oh. So we used to go in there and just kind of like mess it up. Right. Like we'd put stuff backwards, but that got old. And we were thinking like, we really need to do something better than just like mess up her office. So one Friday, she was gone from work for the whole day and we went and found Joe, the custodian. And I was like, Hey, Joe, uh, we really need your help. So this is so funny. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we took everything out of her office and put miniature versions back in instead. <laughs> so she, instead of like her big, huge 
um, like teacher desk, we put a little kindergarten desk and then we put a little like kindergarten chair. And then (laughs) we found like a Dixie cup and then like (laughs) broke pencils in half. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) and the custodian (laughs) helped us move everything out. So there was just in this whole office, there was this little teeny tiny workstation. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And then when she got back, the next week we, I, we laughed so hard. We were all crying because we miniature miniaturized her office. Did she give her little fun size candy bars? And we did everything. Like we, we, I have pictures of it. It was so funny. We put like mini flowers and mini stuffed animals. Like we stayed after school for a long time to really make this good. Right. You don't do it halfway. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. Oh no. Mm -mm. Yes. That is fabulous. And she took it. Okay. Oh yeah. At first, like she walked in and I think her immediate reaction was just like, I'm huge. (laughs) like did I drink the potion like you know so but she we the three of us have pranked each other for years and the only time anyone has gotten mad is when uh the other teacher I cleaned his desk because he's super messy and I threw threw a whole bunch of stuff away cleaning it and um he he actually got mad at me oh man it's one of those messy desks where he knows where everything is (laughs) Yeah, but like insane. And the stuff I threw away was from like 1972. So mm. he's not going to need it again. Really, I did him a favor. But it was like on the show Hoarders when you watch and they start to throw stuff away and like they panic. He was he was mad. Uh-oh. Yeah, everything starts going in slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this has been great. I can't wait to um, let people, you know, get them to your website. And you've got three different books. And the way you bring humor into it, I've read your first two books. I can't wait for this third one. The way that it's, it's just like you're chatting with a friend. So I, I applaud your writing style and thank you for the wonderful messages you bring to the world because you couldn't find them out there yourself. So you shared your own and thank you so much. I'm honored to have had you on my show, Christy Wopat. And remember, we can only be strangers once. And I invite you to stay weird. It was wonderful to be here. This has been Stranger Connections with Lisa David Olson. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.